This is how the Monday Thursday story begins. It was just before Passover. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. These words tell us everything we need to know about tonight in a way. It's the gospel in miniature that unfolds before us tonight. This is a quiet night by comparison to the triumphal entry uh, Palm Sunday. Things are going on behind the scenes. The average Jewish family has been preparing for the Passover in their own house. They've selected and they've prepared a Paschal lamb, that pure and perfect sacrifice made every year to remind them of God's faithfulness and of His rescue of them from Egypt, to remind them of their freedom. Slaves no more. Every year, families did this. You heard about that in Exodus. What no one knows is that God has already beaten them all to the punch. There's a Paschal lamb that has already been provided. He, he already arrived in Jerusalem days prior. His name is Jesus, and he's the Lamb of God. He's the sacrifice once and for all time. So I often wonder at what point the disciples realized this. When did it click for them that their Lord and their teacher, Jesus, was the Lamb of God, the perfect, spotless, paschal Lamb who'd been sitting in their midst that Passover night so many years ago, the one who would take away the sins of the world. I don't know. Maybe it hit them the moment, maybe it didn't. Speculation. So Jesus and his disciples have retreated away from the throng of activity in Jerusalem, and they're cloistered away, and they're enjoying a quiet time of fellowship in that proverbial upper room. This is a group of friends. This is a rabbi and his followers celebrating the Passover meal together, those closest to Jesus, that inner circle. This is an incredibly intimate, vulnerable, and transparent time as you'll ever encounter in Scripture with this encounter between Jesus and his disciples. Very tender. It's very close to the bone. On this night, Jesus knew that the hour had come. His rise could have occurred earlier, and it could have looked very different had he taken any number of spiritual shortcuts that he's offered all along the way to Golgotha. But it wasn't time yet. And Jesus was clear that his hour had not yet come. Well, now it was time. The time for parables had ceased. Jesus is speaking very plainly and very directly with his disciples. Time is short. The wheels of salvation are in motion. He knows that he will depart very soon. And he begins his farewell preparations. There's a sweetness and there's a melancholy as his long farewell commences and as he begins to say goodbye. It's time. The King of Kings chooses in his final hours, knowing he will die, to spend it with his friends, playing host to them and serving them. It's time. This is the hour decreed before time by God the Father. This is the hour when the Holy Spirit hovers, waits and breathes on a hopeful ember we call salvation. And it is the hour when Jesus' medal will be tested beyond all human limits to see if his obedience to the Father is true and to see if his love for humankind is real or how real it is. <laughs> Jesus' long goodbye begins as he leaves his disciples with a definitive living picture of how great his love is for us. So as they celebrate this meal together, reenacting and remembering God's rescue of his people, from slavery in Egypt, Jesus does something very surprising. He transforms this Passover meal 
into what we know as the Last Supper, or Communion, or Eucharist, taking this sacred Old Testament meal and recasting it forever. Carrying it forward, carrying forward, I should say, that Old Testament story of God's rescue and showing the disciples the great act of fulfillment that is the new covenant that is coming. And the heart that beats behind this reformed Passover meal, Jesus feeding us with all of who he is, offering all of himself to us, feeding us with his own body and blood. This table of grace set before us with Jesus presiding as the divine host. This table established before time, this table rooted in the past, this table reminding us in the present, this table extending into eternity where Jesus offers all of himself to us. It's at this table right here. Jesus will remember even you and I. How about this? The saints who are to come. That he would be so kind and so mindful of us so as to feed us each week in the Eucharist as we remember him and honor him and receive strength and spiritual nourishment from him. This is my body broken, given to you. This is my blood shed, given for you. He institutes these words as he dines with the disciples. Passover is never going to be the same. Never. And Jesus chooses to share his last meal with his disciples and with us tonight. I often wonder if this were my last meal on earth, who would be at my table? What would I be doing? Would I be seeking to serve them? To play host to them? Or would I be carried away with fear and anxiety what I should be doing? This is act one of the story that is Monday Thursday. But if saying, this is my body broken for you, given for you, and this is my blood which is shed for you, given for you, if that didn't set the disciples off balance, which I'm certain it did, Jesus does something else audacious during the meal. He strips down and he washes their feet. This is a very odious task in a culture that traveled about on foot by and large. Those ancient streets they walked around in were narrow, unpaved, very crowded. They were often full of refuse and animal excrement from dogs, sheep, cattle, horses. All the more in Jerusalem with those massive crowds around during Passover, there's no modern sanitation. Feet were filthy with dust and excrement. So foot washing was an act of hospitality. Hosts provided it, guests expected it. You came to someone's home. It was standard fare when you came over and uh, were offered hospitality. But let me say this, the host never, never, never washed the feet of his guests. That was unthinkable. A wife might wash her husband's feet. Children might wash their father's feet. Disciples might wash their master's feet. But in every case, that was a very extreme act of devotion. Very extreme. And no one eating at the table would perform this task, ever. It was the duty of a servant or a Gentile slave. That's who took care of it. Foot washing was not for a Jew who was eating at, much less providing over and hosting the meal, ever. Much less a Jewish feast like the Passover. It was the lowliest role in the house to wash feet. So Jesus takes on that role, and it's unprecedented and it's outlandish. He goes from being rabbi host to the lowest, most humble role in the house. And I love this because this is God literally making himself small and insignificant and humble as the world sees it 
and laying aside all of his claims to social status or dignity or pride or honor. This is the incarnation. It's the heart of the incarnation here. And this is a culture that is so obsessed with honor and shame. So Jesus comes in and he obliterates any notions of rank amongst his disciples. Takes a wrecking ball to that. Says, guys, you've got to get low. This is what humility looks like. This is what it means to lead my church. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Now picture it with me, if you will. Jesus is half-dressed and almost naked. He's taken off a lot of his garments. He's cradling the disciples' feet, right? His hands. He's washing away the excrement and the filth and the dirt. And he does all 12 of them. Folks, this takes some time. This is a very tender and intimate act on Jesus' part. But if you're the disciples, i got to say, this is awkward, perhaps embarrassing. What is Jesus doing? What's going on? I mean, think of their shock and think of their embarrassment as he did this. Can't you feel the awkward silence? Can't you sense their uneasy body language? Can't you see their glances between them? So they're trying to figure this out. Jesus' love brings up their shame. His love brings up their shame. He comes to Peter. You know where I'm going with this. I love Peter. He's a creature of habit like we are. Peter predictably protests with his typical gusto and indignation. Lord, you're going to wash my feet? Kind of echoing John the Baptist's own hesitation at baptizing Jesus? Wait, this is all backwards. This can't be. You shall never wash my feet, Peter, Peter says. And Jesus responds with firmness and kindness and clarity. Peter, you don't understand now, but you will later. Unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Peter, you must learn to receive from me if you're ever going to have fellowship with me. Peter, you must learn this. It's almost like Jesus is saying, look, look, Peter, if you cannot understand this, if this foot washing is too much for you, if it's too shocking, if it asks too much, you certainly will not understand the cross that is to come. Peter relents and responds wholeheartedly. Okay, wash me head to toe. When he finished washing their feet, he put his clothes on, and it's the scriptures say he returned to his place at the table as host proving that the servant and the host can indeed be one and the same. And he says this, and I will make the case, this is the climax of the story. Do you understand what I've done for you? Do you understand what I've done for you? Now let's remember, Judas, his betrayer, is there. He's present. Jesus broke bread with him, washed the feet of this one who would betray him the most deeply, one from his inner circle. You've been stabbed in the back by someone that close to you in that way? I have not. Imagine those moments, those shared moments between Jesus and Judas as he's washing Judas's feet and as he's serving him communion. They're both fully aware of what's coming. What is that moment like? Jesus could have forgone this. He could have passed over Judas. You're not worthy. You don't deserve it. Kicked him out into the night. Exposed him for what he was. Rained down holy wrath upon him. Could have done any number of things and been rightful in doing so. But he did not do that. He didn't do it. Instead, he washes 12 pairs of feet, Judas's included. So you may wonder, isn't that just a waste? Why do that? 
Uh, God's heart is abundant and his grace is rather extravagant. So I think this shows us, yet again, the heart of God towards all, the heart of his rescue. We're all enemies of the cross until Jesus found us and served us. It's a bit like uh, the woman who anointed Jesus' feet with her tears and with that beautiful perfume. Jesus' response was, what a waste. No, not at all. Do you understand what I've done for you? Jesus says. Jesus has served the will of the Father and he's loved his own, the scriptures tell us, to the very end. So when someone washes your feet tonight, and yes, the water's as warm as we could get it, <laughs> I want you to imagine them as Jesus serving you because that is what they are. They're Jesus uh, acting as his emissaries, his ambassadors' kindness to you. I want you to imagine them asking you that question. Do you understand what I've done for you tonight? Do you understand? That's a question for every one of us here tonight. Do you understand what I've done for you? That cleansing water that John speaks of so often is gospel. Do you understand what I've done for you? That question should mark us tonight. Do you understand what I've done for you? Jesus is showing us in no uncertain terms that the family resemblance in the household of God is love, which leads us very naturally to serve us. It's how others will identify us and know that we're God's people, love. That we serve and we belong to God, that we serve and belong to each other. And his example here is so vital, it's just so crucial and so real that he commands it, that we love each other. This is a command. Mandi comes from a Latin word mandatum and it means command, it's mandate. So love is, as Jesus sees it, and love will, as Jesus sees it, be a defining pillar of his church. It's the one thing we can't forget. Do you understand what I've done for you? Do you understand? At the end of the Monday Thursday story, Jesus tells his disciples, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. We discover that by taking the lowest place in the house, by getting low, being humble, that love, and I mean that with a capital L, has the power to heal us and others and to bind us and others together, even in the face of betrayal and cruelty that we gain our life by losing it, that the blessing comes, and not with the knowing about it, but in the doing, that there is no love without sacrifice, and that this love that bleeds, the love of Jesus, ends up watering the soil of our dry, broken, sinful, barren hearts, and brings us to life. So no wonder Jesus issues this new command to love. That's why our liturgy admonishes us at times to keep the feast. You'll see that phrase at times to hold fast to our fellowship, to the breaking of bread until our Lord returns. So in the moments to come, brief as it may be, because of the cold, some of you will wash someone else's feet. And you are an ambassador of Jesus when you do this. Make no bones about that. You're an ambassador. You can bring, and you do bring, his healing, his kindness, his compassion to your brothers and sisters here. Some of you will receive this gift of having your feet washed. To be loved, to be served, to be seen, to be met by Jesus through the knowing eyes and the willful hands of one of your brothers or sisters. And just as Jesus' actions made the disciples squirm, I presume that foot washing will also make some of us uncomfortable. We might squirm a little bit because it's intimate, it's vulnerable. Love can do that sometimes, can't it? But please don't let that stop you from giving and receiving the love of God tonight. 
So I pray that we encounter both of those divine realities tonight. What it means to offer ourselves, the same way that Jesus gave all of himself to serve us, what it means to receive from him with an openness of heart and with gratitude. And then I believe Jesus' words, do you understand what I've done for you? We'll find a deeper home in our hearts. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.